L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is the premier independent community development platform working with local creators to produce podcasts and content by the community for the community. To learn more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Hey, I'm Jake Trumper. And I'm Alex Schulte. And together, we're historically, historically inaccurate. And you can learn history with us because I'm kind of an expert. I'm not sure if expert's the word I would use. No, I, I'm ready to teach people history because, like, uh, ask me to name every president. But I know you can't. No, just ask me. I don't want to hear you Washington, do that again. John Adams, Thomas I, Jefferson, uh, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson. So we're a brand new podcast distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. New episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcasts. Jake, are you still going? Chester A. Arthur, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin just fast, Harrison, just William fast forward to the end. Theodore Roosevelt, we are literally Donald running Trump, out of time. Ben, 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 did you literally forget the president who is right now, Joe Biden? Joe Biden! Oh, I did it. Oh, I was in. I was in my groove. Come there. and learn with us, everybody. Well, it's still kind of me. I'm. I'm kind of doing. You most couldn't of even remember Joe Biden's name. I'm doing most of the teaching. It's mostly you. Thank you. L A S. Oh, hey you. How's it going? Long time no see. How you been? How was your trip? It was good. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't Not know. Not even in the room with you. <laughs> We're just hanging out with our friends because this is another episode of Friends with Marketing Benefits, our bi-weekly marketing show where we sit down with friends who share the benefits, their insights, their thoughts, their topics all around marketing and some other stuff. I'm one of your hosts, Logan. I'm Brody. Hi, Brody. Oh, hey. How's your... see you there. Oh, wow. <laughs> when did you get here? Oh, my gosh. And uh, you heard producer Alex Schulte already. Hey, Alex. Hey. Hey. And we have another wonderful guest, a friend in the studio. But before we get to that, I want to make sure that you remember that this show is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com and... If you love independent creators, if you want to live forever, I recommend subscribing to LAS Plus. It's just $10 a month, and I can't guarantee you're going to live forever, but it can't hurt, right? You get ad-free versions of all of our shows. I've been subscribed, and you know what? So far, so good. So far, so good. (laughs) You can't prove otherwise. Uh, just $10 a month, ad-free versions, bonus episodes of great things, discounts at live events. We were at Stillwater Coffee last month doing a live event with Elizabeth Von Presley. You should go back and check out that episode because it's live now in our feed. But if you had been there, you would have gotten discounts on your alcoholic beverages and coffees. And I drank way too much coffee that night. I did not. I was very good about it. You were very good. I came prepared. I was professional. I had decaf. Nice. So I win. <laughs> you are better than me. <laughs> we know this. Get, like, <laughs> we know this. No one's arguing. Just establishing dominance right from the start. <laughs> LAS Plus, $10 a month. For more information, go to LASPodcastNetwork.com slash plus. You are enjoying a beverage today, though. I am. So it, are you. I am. You're drinking the Holodots Toppling Goliath. It's like their special holiday I am. beer. It's a. What do you think of it? It's interesting. It's kind of like a, almost like a cinnamon ginger cookie sort yeah, of situation. Yeah, kind of. Kind of like a gingerbread man. So it's really sweet, but it's a lager. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I we had it when we were up at uh, Toppling Goliath Brewery up in Decorah last mm-hmm. month, and I wanted to try more of it. It's, I was curious what your Funny thoughts The Funny thing is we have more of it here. <laughs> you could have tried more of it just now. 
I I had one the other day. I, I <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, I'm enjoying Lion Bridge Brewing. Um, Bridge beer always very good. Um, but hey, we have a guest who's also enjoying a beverage. Some more holodots with us, and I want to introduce her now. Uh, we've been friends for years. We were just talking, and we don't know why we're friends. We don't know how we became friends. <laughs> but all that matters is that we're friends now. It's our friend, Emily Betridge. Hi, Emily. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing some marketing insight with us. Before we get started, how's your beer? I am surprised by how much I like it, honestly. I'm not usually a person who just picks up a beer, but the cookie, the cookie reference was spot on. <laughs> The beer chose you this time. Yes, it very much did. Did it feel like it was calling out to you? It's yeah. like a wand chooses the wizard type of thing? 100%. Got and it. The label does have like a very Harry Potter theme to it. Yes. When you were holding it, I was like, why does she have a Harry Potter beer when I first saw it? <laughs> I could almost feel the candles floating above us right now. Like, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Well, Emily, this show is all about talking to local area marketers and professionals and community leaders about who they are and sharing insight and, uh, knowledge with others so i'm going to ask you a difficult question which we ask everybody just to get started and it's difficult because it's really broad (laughs) but who are you how do you how do you describe yourself when you introduce yourself to somebody oh man um well i would say that i'm a nonprofit marketer i love helping people every day at my job um and then i am an avid crafter i have like add when it comes to crafting and i choose like a new thing every six months and never finish the thing i did before so that's another big part of my identity i guess you have a bunch of like single knitted socks there's yes. no like pairs because it keeps no. changing into different i've actually thing. never tried socks because there's two of them and i know i would stop <laughs> there's no point <laughs> I, just, I just don't i'd end up with a lot of singles yeah but not pairs mm. got it got it Fair. what other crafts do you get into um so right now i'm really into crocheting I tell people Excellent. I'm like 87 at heart. Mm-hmm. I have books and crocheting next to me at all times on my couch. I love that. Yep. And you mentioned nonprofit work. Um, you are currently with Matthew 25. Is that correct? That is correct. How yeah. long have you been there? Um, almost three years now. Excellent. Excellent. And what's your job there? I am the business development and marketing coordinator. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So let's just start at the beginning of your story. Are you from Iowa originally? I'm actually from the suburbs of Chicago. I hmm. do not say I'm from Chicago. I was for, about to say, I respect that you yes. put <laughs> <laughs> You cannot say that anywhere near someone who's actually from the city of Chicago. So mm-hmm. I'm from Tinley Park, South Suburbs. Gotcha. Yep. Um, and then when I was applying for colleges, I was actually applying as a nursing student and the University of Iowa accepted me as an early admit nursing student. Um, as we are on a podcast about marketing, you could probably tell I would, did not finish nursing school. <laughs> <laughs> How come? What What was that experience like for you? Um, I just went through clinicals and it was like, you know, this, I cannot see myself doing this for the rest of the year. Um, so much respect for all the nurses in the world. I knew I could not be one of them. So I uh, originally switched to business. Business was awful. I hated it. And switched <laughs> to journalism where I had always loved to write. I had always had journals and started a million blogs and stuff like that so i was like okay journalism let's go this route interesting okay you always love to write yes you mentioned that what it what was that like when did you discover that you loved writing from the time i could put letters together to form words i had i have probably seventy five thousand notebooks at my parents house right now with Again, the notebook ADD, like 17 mm-hmm. pages filled out and the rest of the notebook is just blank, but I would just be journaling and writing stories and yeah, it just kind of kept going and then it never stopped. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Okay. 
And then you went to school for journalism. I did. Or at least finished with a journalism degree. I have a journalism degree, yeah. It was focused on um, very much on like strategic planning and the marketing side of journalism. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. What does that mean? I, so obviously I have a great respect for journalists, which I do not consider myself to be one. Um, but what does that mean, the, the kind of business and marketing side of journalism specifically? So um, when I was looking at internships while I was still an undergrad, I really wanted to go into marketing. And a lot of the marketing internships that I was actually looking at said they wanted newsroom experience from people. So um, actually one of my early internships was at the Quarter Business Journal. Shout out. I miss you guys. Shout out. Um, <laughs> and I feel like... From that perspective, on that side of the business desk, because I was also focusing on public relations at the time, so having that newsroom experience really made my job in like PR and marketing better because I really understood that relationship between PR and the newsroom. Awesome. Yeah, really, really interesting. Yeah. So when you switched to journalism, like you said, you loved writing. Were you originally planning on taking that kind of route of a more marketing or were you planning on going into kind of more classic journalism, really writing, really like producing stories? Did you know when you switched and you found it or? So I always had a dream of working at a magazine, um, but kind of as I was going through my classes, I really enjoyed like my strategic planning classes, my marketing focus classes. So I discovered like I just got into PR and marketing and decided that's the route I wanted to go. Awesome. Can I poke on that a little bit? Because I'm interested to have this conversation with you. Yeah, of course. I'm sure you have an opinion on it. What is your opinion about print media right now and magazines in particular? It, it feels like something that's dying, but I know that there is a world where our, especially on a local level, our newspapers, our magazines, our print, and then the digital versions of that print media are still really valuable. Do you have, I guess, top level thoughts on what you think about yeah, media, I think, especially from a marketing perspective. Yeah, I think that it was dying, but I think we're starting to pick it back up again, like physical books and magazines, like people just do love to hold on to something now. Um, but um, in terms of the marketing side of things, it's a whole audience that doesn't necessarily get into digital. So like newspapers and magazines to an extent, like those people aren't necessarily going to find anything you're doing digitally. So it is an important piece of the marketing puzzle. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And every, I think every touch point has value, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yes, you want to hit people digitally, but if you can get something physically out in front of somebody, that still has value. Mm -hmm. You know, um, anytime you can reach someone, especially if you're part of a larger publication. I guess what I always talk to people about, and Brody, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this too, is digital is king right now just because it is so prevalent and so accessible, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can justify it within your campaign, print media, uh, television, radio, all of those supplemental mass marketing approaches are still really valuable. They still have value. They still have audiences. They just need to not be your singular marketing approach or yeah. your first marketing approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they do, I mean, they do have a lot of cost to them, especially if it's sending anything out, if it turns into mailers and things like that. Yep. Um, but some people, that is what they want and that's where you're going to get them. Um, so it really, I, I think there is still a lot of value in it. I think they're shown, especially like uh, we both have fundraising backgrounds, but that's, you see a lot of funds do come in through that. But, you know, it's just like we said, you have to have the kind of whole spectrum of 
It's also some people do contacting just through digital. That's the only way they want to be contacted. Everything really still has its own place and still has. I don't think it's dying anytime soon. Sure. I've never worked in a newsroom. What is it? I don't know. What is it like to work in a newsroom? So I think my experience was unique at the Quarter Business Journal because it is a weekly publication. Yeah. So in my mind, I still, like, if I think of the Gazette, like, I still think of, like, old-timey people, like, running around like crazy and having their little notebooks in front of them. Um, I imagine you dial it up by seven, right? You know, if you're doing a weekly or a daily publication as well to a weekly. Yeah. 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 Um, So I think... It is kind of like that mix between like it's almost a magazine because it doesn't come out very frequently, but it still reports on the news and it's really awesome to talk about the local businesses. But um, yeah, it was I had great experience with some really talented reporters. Um, I got to keep track of the daily inbox. I feel like I always had my finger on the pulse of what was happening in the business world. I made so many amazing connections through networking and events and Mm -hmm. the people I was doing stories on. And it was it was a great experience. Yeah, I'm sure, especially from also as an intern too, mm-hmm. getting to really be involved and have that those contacts and like you said, literally have feeling you have your finger on the pulse is such an awesome experience and like uh, profession building to have an internship somewhere like that. That's yeah. so awesome. Absolutely. So, were you planning on sticking around in the area after you graduated, or was it because of these connections, or, or what happened there? Um. So. I was working at the CBJ when I graduated, and then they actually connected me with my next job, and that job was in Cedar Rapids, so I moved from Iowa City to Cedar Rapids. Um, I will say originally, begrudgingly, because I lived in Iowa City for seven years, and I just love Iowa City, um, it will always hold a place in my heart, but I have really been embraced by the Cedar Rapids community. I love the network here. I love all the small business and the entrepreneurship spirit. Like It's, it's really grown on me. Gotcha. So. What was that next job? Um, I worked at Plaid Swan for a year and a half. I did um, content development there. And so what is Plaid Swan? Because I, I feel like I'm familiar with it because it was in our neighborhood when, mm-hmm. when um, I was working down in the Nubo district, but most people maybe aren't familiar with it. Yeah. So it's a full service marketing agency. Um, it is headquartered in Dubuque, but they have an office down here in Cedar Rapids and a lot of clients in the area. So I worked at the office here. And what did content development look like for Plaid Swan? It looked like anything and everything that was written. I would help with social posts. I would do a lot of website. I really loved writing websites and getting to talk to these business owners and really diving into what made them tick and how to talk about what they did in a digital presence. Um, A lot of blogs. Um, I helped with copy for advertising. It was just all around content fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems like that's also like a great transition from working with CBJ to Mm -hmm. working with a lot of different businesses and helping to write up uh, all of their information. That's like a great transition career-wise. Absolutely. Super nice to like still be building on very similar uh, skill sets. Exactly. I do wonder, and maybe this is just my opinion, but I feel like a lot of people take writing, especially when it comes to something as simple as your website, for granted. 100%. Right? <laughs> I learned that very quickly. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that? I think that it's yeah. important that people realize that there's more to it that, that needs to be considered. Yeah, I feel like even if I was just helping to rewrite a website that already existed, I really helped people take people on this journey about what their business means and how they could portray it on the internet and answer all the questions that people had without even having to contact them right away. And it's... From a content development side, I really enjoyed learning about them. Um, I did 
a website for a company, and I cannot for life me remember it, but it's about um, tin roofs, like the alternative mm. to shingles. Mm -hmm. And I could tell you so much about tin roofs and metal roofs now, and it's just something I had never thought about before. And now, as I look into buying a home, if it needed a roof replacement, I'd probably get a, a metal roof, but not at my house. So, <laughs> I feel very strongly that everybody needs a website. I thought you were going to say very strongly that everybody needs a tin roof. Cause I, was, I was like still really thinking, I was like kind of getting really interested in it. I <laughs> wasn't ready to transition off for some reason. As a real estate agent um, with Coldwell Banker Hedges Realty, call me. Um, I do feel very strongly that you should have a tin or metal roof. Um, the lifespan is so much greater. They, I mean, they think they look fine. Like, yeah. I have this thoughts. is now a tin roof podcast. Fun, fun fact, you actually do not hear the rain as much as you think you would. That's something that like hmm. we had on an FAQ because that's oh. apparently a very again, you like you learn all these questions like what do people ask you all the time? Like what would you like to put in an FAQ that would answer these people's questions right away? You can't hear the rain as much as you think you would. That does I, that's actually great insight. Yeah. I would think about that. Right? So, but I think everybody needs a website and for that exact reason you mentioned uh, and a frequently asked questions section of your website there are so many small businesses that rely on a facebook page or a google my business to serve as their quote-unquote website and that's not the same and that's yeah. not serving you for a few different reasons right one you can't tell your story in the most optimal way when you have a website you can capture audiences you can you have complete control over what you're saying how you're guiding people the content that you put out but additionally I just think that if somebody goes to your Facebook page, there's just, there's nothing, there's, it's not a website. It's, I'm sorry, I'm getting frustrated. Uh, I've had this conversation too many times with people. Um, but I think your point is extremely valid, especially from not just a storytelling standpoint, but an SEO or search engine optimization standpoint, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Your Facebook does not show up the same on Google, which is the number one way that people find you as a website would. And if the copy on your website is serving you well, if you know what your keywords are, if you know what people are searching for, if you really do the research, your website can be the number one vehicle for bringing in new clients and leads, depending on what your business is. So don't underestimate the power of writing well through a website. I think that's, that's, ugh. I have feelings. <laughs> I have feelings about it. If you can't You're tell. as passionate about that as I am now about tin roofs. They're equivalent. Yeah, they're equivalent amounts yeah, of energy. I see that. For sure. Um, okay, so you're writing websites. You're writing quite a bit. Um, do you have thoughts for people who, um, I don't know, any major takeaways or anything people should keep in mind? Something you learned maybe that was really valuable from a writing standpoint when it comes to websites or, or anything like that from your time there? Uh, how can I pick just one? That's, um. that's valid. <laughs> um. I would say make sure it's easy for people to find out how to contact you. Mm. I still feel like that's a big problem on websites today. Like if I'm digging through all of your pages and I still can't find a phone number or even a form to fill out, it can be frustrating for people because not everybody, people want to see your website and they want to learn about it, but they're not going to read through every page of your website. I mean, mm -hmm. your Google Analytics will show you how long they stay on your pages, obviously, but they will, they do want to know more and contact you and, have business with you mm -hmm. so when i go to a website i feel like i'm actively searching for a phone number or an email address or some sort of contact uh, information i look at the top right first 
then I'll, I'll scroll all the way to the bottom of a homepage. I was going to say, I usually, it's about the same. And then I'll check for a contact tab. Mm-hmm. And if those three things do not have a phone number or email address, and I have to be pretty committed to go through all three, then you're not going to get my business. Yeah. So great insight, great advice as well. Do you ever deal with blogs? I have, yes. Yeah. I don't. Do you think that the blog is still something that has value as much as social media or something like that? Do you have just personal opinions on that? I think depending on like the niche you're living in. Mm. I mean, I think cooking blogs will survive anything in the entire universe. Um, They're the cockroaches of the internet. I was just going to bring up cockroaches also. <laughs> but like in a good way. In a good way. I mean, I still search for good cooking blogs. Like every Constantly. time I try like a new way of eating i will not call it a diet um but i find a blog that i love and i i will live on it for a little while um in terms of blogging on business pages um i think it it also depends on your niche i think if you're telling your story well enough on your other pages it's not probably necessary um but if you have a lot of news a lot of updates i think it could be really beneficial and help your business have you ever blogged brody um, no, I haven't really ever had to do any blogging, like especially not professionally. Yeah. I think blogs, I agree with you. It really depends on your industry and what you're doing, right? Because you're generating that much written content can have a real value mm-hmm. if you're sharing specific information, if you're sharing or telling a specific story. And then also if it's serving your, again, your SEO, your search engine optimization, how you're being discovered, um, how your content is being shared out across the internet. But not everybody needs a blog. <laughs> No, yeah. I would say if you have to force a blog, it's probably not for you. Yeah, <laughs> that I think that's good insight. Yeah, in definitely. Itself. I was thinking the same thing. It's really just what you have to offer it from a blog standpoint of like what people are coming to your site for. It's like if you are doing something that people like people are not coming to read on a blog, then don't push it out there. There's no point. You're just it's also just wasting time. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I'll tell you what, um, we have more to talk about. We haven't even talked about Matthew 25 yet and your time there, but we have to take a quick break. So let's check in with some sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking with Emily Betridge about her experience marketing, her time with Matthew 25, working with nonprofits and helping people, working with audiences, different audiences specifically. So we have a lot to talk about. Stick with us and we'll be back in just a moment. Brody, it's been really exciting to run this podcast with you and the LAS startup with you, but I'm kind of stressed out. Yeah, why is that? What's well, wrong? It's just stressful to start a business. The, the financial aspects of all of it, it's, it's tough to navigate. I wish that we had learned more about this when we were in school. If only there were an opportunity that taught you things like financial literacy and where does that decimal actually go? <laughs> oh, well, hey, good news. Junior Achievement reached out to us and they're doing great things for the young people in our community and they're working with classes K through 12 on a variety of different topics such as entrepreneurship and career readiness and financial literacy. But they need more volunteers and the Friends with Marketing Benefits audience is the perfect fit to volunteer with Junior Achievement. Yeah, their programs are already 
pre-packaged. They have all the information that those mentors and volunteers need to go in and be successful. They have opportunities in K-12 classrooms, and they don't have to make the planning. They just show up in a classroom, and they get to teach the already pre-made class, and all the kids get to learn everything on financial literacy. It's super easy to get started as well, right? You just click that link in the description of this podcast episode, or go to engage.ja.org for more information. They make it as easy as possible to get involved. It's great. I'm super excited about it. And uh, yeah, Friends of Marketing Benefits audience, give them a call, engage.ja.org. Let's do something great for our community together. I'm Jason Alberti. And I'm Lindsay Prince. I am a dad of two boys, a comedy writer, and I love medieval literature. I'm the mom of two girls, a comedy writer, and I love TikTok. Hey, we've got a new podcast. And it's called What Do You Want to Talk About? We talk about everything from almond milk lattes to xenophobia. New episodes every Monday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What Do You Want to Talk About is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, you can visit laspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Lindsay, did I tell you the story about Skarpe the Njalsson when he was in Iceland and he was dying because he was under this log on fire and he pulls out this molar and he whips it into Thurl Thurlson's eye? No, I don't understand most of what you just said. Oh. Oh, Jason, did I tell you that Billie Eilish got bangs? What's a Billie Eilish? L-A-S. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Hey, I'm Sarah Van Cleave, a biracial single mom adoptee raised by an all-white family. And I'm Caleb Scales, a proud gay man, restaurant savant, who will make the best flipping margarita you've ever had. And this is Othered, a podcast for those who feel different. Each episode, we'll be having conversations about racism, homophobia, holistic health, drinking, sex, drugs, yoga, 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 yoga. Yoga? Yogurt. (laughs) This podcast comes out every Thursday for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you want bonus episodes, ad-free listening, discounts at our live events, and exclusive access to merch, then subscribe to LAS Plus. Go to laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus to get started. I'm so excited that I get to do this with you, Sarah. I'm so excited that I get to do this with you, Kayla. Oh my God, I love that for us. I feel like I'm trying too hard now. You are, but I like it. Uh, ooh. Ooh. Caleb. Spicy. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> L-A-S. Welcome on back to Friends with Marketing Benefits. I'm Logan. I'm Brody. And we're talking with Emily Betridge, a local community marketer and leader and non-profit aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> With that. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. I was trying to find the right word, and, and Brody, you filled it I, in perfectly. I, I had it. I was ready. You, I didn't have to look for one second. Uh, so yes, we mentioned that you work with Matthew Twenty Five now. Can you walk us through the transition from Plaid Swan to Matthew Twenty Five? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So while I was at Plaid Swan, we had a couple nonprofit clients. We would do work with some really awesome places up in Dubuque, and I realized that. That was my favorite part of the job. It was doing marketing for these companies that really needed it. They really needed to get their message out. They needed volunteers or sponsors or just to get the word out to help the people that they were meant to serve. And so I decided that 
I wanted to go into work full time for a nonprofit. So enter Matthew 25. Yeah. So you and I met um, when you were still at Platte Swan. And so I knew you through this transition there. Mm -hmm. And I was working at a nonprofit also at that time, uh, Newport City Market. And uh, I got you involved there a little bit, um, at least as much as we could. We had big ambitions for events that we could put yeah. on. Um, at some point, we will still put on our big EDM festival. It's going to happen. That sounds great. <laughs> uh, it was a whole thing. It was a I'd, thing. I believe you. We I were talking about dueling stages and DJ. Like, there's still a vision in my head. We'll oh, do it. It's still going to happen. Someday. We'll Someday. But you end up going to work at Matthew 25. And what do you do at Matthew 25? Um, so my title is business development and marketing coordinator. Um, it fits on a business card. Um, and I get to work with all of the programs that we have. So we do holistic neighborhood revitalization, which means we do a lot of things in one neighborhood instead of a lot of other nonprofits who do one thing in across the city or across the county. So I get to work with all these awesome people doing these awesome things and help get the word out. Kind of like I was saying, it's a way to let people know what we're doing. Sponsors love to hear what we're doing, donors, volunteers, um, finding volunteers, and then most importantly, finding the people that we can help. Um, it's extremely vital. Really quick before we go too far, I should disclose to everybody that um, Matthew 25 is a client of uh, LAS here. So we do uh, content development work and marketing work, and uh, we're working together on an exciting project that Matthew 25 has announced. Do you wanna speak to that? Yeah. So um, through our Healthy Neighborhoods campaign, we are going to be building houses on the west side in infill lots that were had houses torn down by the flood. And my favorite part is that we are going to open a nonprofit grocery store. Um, it will have a pay it forward vibe to it, kind of like Groundswell Cafe. Um, there will be free produce available. Everything will be affordable at the grocery store. And I mean, it's going to be smack dab in the middle of a food desert where people don't have access to healthy, affordable, fresh food. So we are very excited about that. What is the pay it forward model for anyone who's not familiar? Um, so you at, so we kind of have three audiences. We have paying customers, we have the people we help, and then we have supporters and mm -hmm. which it could be donors and everything. So the people who come and pay for our services can donate and kind of help offset the cost so that we can give more food to people away for free so that you're paying it forward so that other people can get fresh food as well. You mentioned the three audiences. Do you want to touch on those one more time? Because I think that'll be a big topic of discussion yeah, for us. It's, um, we have a unique model at Matthew 25. So through Groundswell Cafe, um, our tool library, and then through um, the Urban Farm actually has that as well. And then through the corner store. Um, we provide services to anybody. So anybody can come to the cafe and get delicious food. Anybody can come to the tool library. But we also have free memberships and lower costs for other people. So that's our, our other audiences who are helping. Mm -hmm. And then the other audience besides that is the supporters, the donors, the volunteers, the sponsors. So we have a lot of audiences. <laughs> I think that's... And Brody, you also share nonprofit experience um, with Emily and I. Mm -hmm. What do you think about having so many audiences as a nonprofit? Because that's something that a lot of nonprofits struggle with is when you don't have one specific set product that you are going out and, and selling or trying to identify who's the right audience for my specific thing. You are serving multiple audiences all the time that are. Mm -hmm. And then, Emily, you and I were talking before we recorded this. You have sub audiences within these audiences, yep. right, that are really um that all need to be targeted and found in different places and through different vehicles. So Brody, do you have initial thoughts on 
nonprofit speaking to so many audiences and the struggle there? Um, I don't know. I think that it can feel like a struggle, but it also can be really exciting. It's all everyone getting the ability to really pitch your mission to everyone and helping them to understand that it is for everyone. A lot of times, uh, nonprofits also will work on very specific missions that don't feel like they're for everyone. And so they feel very pigeonholed and have a lot of trouble connecting with different groups of people. But I think when you do have the kind of mission that can really be for an entire community, it's kind of an exciting problem to have, you know, a positive spin on it. Sure, sure. Uh, Emily, do you have initial thoughts on what some of the struggles are for as a nonprofit marketing coordinator? Because it's a big job. Let's call them challenges. They're not struggles. That's valid. That's valid. Challenges. Let's keep that optimism going. There you go. I like it, Brody. (laughs) Yes. Um, I mean, right off the bat, again, a unique thing about Matthew 25 is that we work in mainly one neighborhood. So even having an audience across Cedar Rapids where the services we offer are for people on the Northwest side, but we have supporters from across the city. I mean, we have out of state supporters that are helping this neighborhood. So it's really awesome that people are coming together for, to help raise this neighborhood up and have it be awesome again. And I mean, not that it's not awesome right now, but it's going to be the work everybody's doing on Ellis is really exciting. I mean, there's gonna be a pizza shop, a theater, like it's, it's really coming together. Yeah. So, um, so the struggle in targeting one neighborhood for our services, um, because once you put something out saying, hey, we are looking for people who need housework done. Well, we're not helping, unfortunately, the people in Marion for all of our programs. So just putting a blanket message out on social media is not the best course of action for a lot of the stuff we do. So mm-hmm. We have found direct mail works really well for them. So sending stuff to specific postal routes is a way to actually speak directly to the people in that area. That's a wonderful point. And we talked about this a little bit in the first half. And Brody, you and I have talked about this on this show before mm-hmm. around um, digital marketing versus print media versus you know mass marketing and other forms. Mm-hmm. But when your audience is geographically targeted then something like direct mailers makes a whole lot of sense, yep. right? Because you know exactly where they are. You know exactly the borders by which you want to target. And yeah, you can do um, digital geolocating and targeting that way. And that's really valuable. But at the end of the day, if you are in a location physically, and if your audience is physically in that location as well, then it's hard to beat some of the in-person marketing that previously has been very successful, right? That's and. I think people who listen to the show enough know that I'm um, a billboard is one of the last things that I think that should be included in a campaign, but that is exactly when a billboard would be really successful. Yes. Right. Totally. When you are pointing directly to one specific area and saying, all right, this is for you, right? Right here. If you're seeing this, you're the audience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's perfect. So um, that's, that's great insight in and of itself. Do you have other tactics that you found to be really successful based on the different audiences that you're trying to reach? Um, I would say my next favorite method of communication is email marketing. Um, We have seen absolutely fantastic results through uh, just having an email list that we keep up with and we share updates that are happening, um, the events that are coming up, stories that are being told. And I probably hear more than anything like, oh yeah, I get your email. I I, I saw that in the email or I'm here because of the email and it makes me happy after putting in all the work to send out one of those emails. Um, 
takes a lot more work than the people reading it probably realize. Um, but, and also after putting it, like if we put in like a call to action, like, hey, help us with this campaign we're doing. And right after I send it, I could see that they clicked the link and then their donation comes in that they donated like $2,000. And I could say, hey, that email just brought us in $2,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And leadership loves to hear that. That's really great because you're right. Uh, email, as opposed to something like social media, is something where you have somebody's direct contact information, you're reaching them directly, and it's all digital and it's all trackable, mm-hmm. right? So those are great ways to measure ROI, KPIs, depending on what you're tracking. Like that's, you're right. I am somebody that takes email for granted, yeah. personally. And I know that about myself. Do you have thoughts on email, Brody? Uh, I mean, I just agree. I think it's really important, especially I think... Again, kind of like a blog when you have something to say and really having the opportunity to communicate with the like clients, the people that you are trying to communicate with. I think it's mailing lists are great. I'm a huge fan of them. And like I said, putting things in, having updates, having stories, having things that people really want to see that makes them feel connected and part of whatever you are doing. I think email is really important. That was going to be my next question for you. As you know, a writer with such experience, do you have thoughts on what it takes to write a good email, an engaging email that gets uh, greater open rates? Yeah, I would say, obviously, the subject line. I still feel like I have not mastered the subject line, so I am constantly trying new things. I'll throw an emoji in there sometimes to see if that works, but we also have different segments. So our main email list, I would say, is mostly volunteers, supporters, like people across the city. Um, We also have an email for our farmer's market. That is for the people we're helping. So that definitely has a different tone. Um, And across all emails, the more concise you could be, the better, Mm -hmm. Um, always. I think I'm really big also on, I hate getting very canned emails, things that you can just tell are part of a very obvious campaign. I think that those aren't worth sending. <laughs> I don't like, and I think that they also hurt your open. And this is, you know, I haven't actually done research on this. So this is mostly opinion and my own personal, how I respond to email. But once you start to get those, then if you do try to send something later that has something important is more personal, the likelihood that someone is going to open that after they know they're like, this is just another, they're assuming it's just another canned email with like a very like, um, obvious like campaign just trying to get whatever like i think it's important to make sure that you are putting out something that feels personal and worth um getting totally i um i actually call it it's called the matthew 25 memo but it's definitely more newsletter focused and feel than just like hey please donate please donate please donate please donate Mm -hmm. please donate like that's gonna get rolled really soon like really quickly and i think the storytelling aspect and the newsletter and keeping it short and sweet and having visuals and pictures um, is just vital. And, and again, people love it. Yeah. I think if you, there's also something that I kind of have always said of like, if you show up to people's door asking for money every single time, and that's not just for fundraising, that's for anything sales. uh, They're going to stop answering the door. Like you need to also be bringing things to the table that aren't just asking for money or trying to get someone to buy something to get people genuinely engaged. Right. I mean, providing that value, showing your worth, why you matter, and why it's beneficial for somebody to support you. That's that's the tactic, right? Yes. Yeah, you can't do an ask every single time. I wrote that down as well. Is, is Save your ask mm-hmm. until you've shown why you're worth supporting. 
right? Why, why you're worth buying from. Um, I wrote a few things down from that. Those are some great insight. Canned emails. Absolutely agree, Brody. Um, long emails. You mentioned that being really concise. Hey, Alex, our producer, who I email multiple hey. times every single day. Um, are my emails too long? <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say, are they concise? And I was like, uh. that one would be... Easier to have an optimistic no, response to. I, I know the answer. <laughs> it, you're waiting for me to say yes, right? Kind that's, of. That's what you want me to say? I don't um, know if I want you to say it, but I think uh, that's what but I, I mean, But he knows the answer. I feel like you don't miss anything in your emails, and I always appreciate that. And even when you do get long-winded, then at the end, you'll be like, okay, here's a bullet point recap of everything we talked about. So if, in case you skipped this email, here you go. So... Yes, they're long, but they're concise. I should I should include a too long, didn't read at the top. Maybe that's what I TLDRs should do. TLDRs are the TLDR. best. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's um, what I should do. I've been trying to make my emails a little bit more long. <laughs> girthy. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a wordsmith. I can't imagine you have to try so hard. <laughs> hey, I'm the one who came up with friends with marketing benefits, so I have to use the word girthy when describing emails. <laughs> that's true. Yes, you do get credit for the title of the show. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's something I know about myself. I'm very well organized. I think my emails are organized with yeah lists and I bold headlines and I make sure people understand what's what. There are bullet points in your emails sometimes even. That's impressive. Who does bullet points in an email? Well, but also maybe that means that I'm hitting too many things at once, right? Oh. Maybe I would be more effective if I broke that up into a few emails spread out over a longer period of time, right? Um, so that way, you know, with clear... Um, call to actions in the subject line. So that way people know exactly what they're dealing with every single time they open an email and there's one thing for them to take away, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's easily digestible and easily turned into an action item, right? I think that makes sense to me. Absolutely. Look uh, at us learning experiences right here on air. Well, here's the, here's the problem. <laughs> I already knew it. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I'm still sending, you know, emails that are short novels. So. Expect our next episode to have an update on what the emails that'll be... <laughs> We'll hold you accountable. I'll work on it. Logan, work I, think, on it. I think the first email in your next few should just be, please respond to the following emails. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. That's fair. Um, and then one other thing you mentioned, Emily, that I really liked was that you change your tone based on who you're speaking to. I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. We talk a lot about unification on this show um, for language, for visual unification of your brand. The things that make you, you as an organization, as a company, um, but that's important to keep in mind that, that what you say needs to change to address who you're talking to. So if you have three specific audiences, paying customers, people you're supporting, and then supporters of your organization, you're right, the tone needs to change. Can you speak a little bit to what that looks like for you? What does a tone change actually mean? Yeah, so... Again, kind of going back to the storytelling aspect of our main emails, um, I think, again, they read more like a newsletter, like something like, hey, like here's the news at Matthew 25. Um, whereas when I'm talking to the people, like the farmer's market email, for example, it is super short. It says exactly what we're having at the market, when to come, where it's at, and maybe a pretty picture of produce sometimes. Um, and that's what they, that's all they need. They don't need the storytelling about how the farm was envisioned and what it's turned into and all of this. They need the information that's relevant to them. Mm -hmm. And how did you find that? Did that get communicated to you or did you like 
have to learn through sending emails that someone was like, I'm never going to read that. (laughs) It was a bit of a learning process. Um, My open rates when I had first taken over this email were atrocious. Mm -hmm. And I was like, maybe I'm saying too much. So instead of like a paragraph at the top, I originally just moved it to the bottom. And then I had the bullet point of what we were having at the market and how, how to get there. And then I had like information at the bottom. But I then since took the information out and I still have information about how to join our other emails if they're interested, but mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was a learning curve for sure. As a lot of things are. Speaking of learning curves, um, you've been in this role for coming up on three years now, and I'm a pretty big believer that it takes some time to establish yourself within a role. What does the next year look like for Matthew 25 uh, and for your work in this role? Because You've got some big things happening. I do. Yeah. I, I um, with the opening of the corner store, I mean, it's basically a whole other program that we're adding. Yeah. Um, I think my time management will need to get better <laughs> on the personal <laughs> side. Um, but I mean, just being able to add this other audience, which I think is going to be very similar to the farmers market audience. Mm. Um, and it's it's all under the same program. It's all the Cultivate Hope program. So yeah. um working on the cross program um advertising like sharing amongst the programs Mm -hmm. that's something we're also really working on so uh, that's going to be come to the forefront of what we're doing that makes sense Uh, and I, i think you're you're in an interesting spot because matthew 25 is a long standing organization that has long standing audiences and fans and supporters and how do you drive traffic back and forth between programs and utilize what already exists and what already works to support the new things? I think it's really an interesting perspective that, that you bring up. Yeah, and it's something that we actively have to work at because they are different programs and they're run by different people. So, But once we get everybody in a room, like that's when the magic happens. That's when the really cool stuff starts to come out. I mean, we had a craft fair over in the event space and it led to traffic in our cafe. So, I mean, that's just one example of all the all the ways our programs could benefit each other. Anything else from a crafting perspective that you're going to keep in mind in 2022? So I unfortunately, could, I had a wedding the day of the craft fair, which I was bummed about, but they had, they said it was a great turnout. And I mean, they had like upcycled mittens and um, a wreath, like some somebody made these beautiful Christmas wreaths. So mm. yeah, it was, the pictures are wonderful. That's great. Well, I'll tell you what, this has been an awesome story. Um, I think you're an incredible person. You're a great asset to our community. So thank you for all of your work with Matthew 25. Thank you for what you do. Thanks for sharing your insight today. Before we send you away, though, at the end of every episode, we always ask our guests for a piece of advice. Something, whether it's, it's life advice or professional advice, something that you've lived by, but something that you can share with the listeners of this show that they can keep in mind as they approach their next project or um, their next program coming up within their their business organization or whatever they're doing. So do you have any uh, advice that you'd like to send people home with? Advice. I would say never stop trying new things. Um, change up your email subject line every once in a while. See what happens. Um, try a new social media platform if you have time for it. Try try a new thing. If it doesn't work, there's you know what does work and you can fall back on it, but you never know what something new could bring you. Love that. Always innovate, always iterate. I love that too. Awesome. And with that, I think that brings us to the end of another episode of Friends with Marketing Benefits. Emily, 
Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is lovely. Yeah, I appreciate it. Brody, thank you so much for hanging out. Always. Yeah. And thank you, dear listener, for hanging out with us. Again, this show comes out every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on the LAS Podcast Network and the work we're doing here, right in Cedar Rapids, go to laspodcastnetwork.com. And if you love the show, if you love to support local creators and local businesses, consider subscribing to LAS Plus, just $10 a month. Like we said, eternal life. Great. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, anything else we need to touch base on? No, I think eternal life is the best place to really wrap be the show. That. Also, how do we get all these long-standing customers some chairs so they don't have to stand for so long? We're going to cut that out in post. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> community development platform working with local creators to produce podcasts and content by the community for the community. To learn more, visit laspodcastnetwork.com. LAS.